Get up and prepare for action. Get out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. Verse 18. Perceive, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land of kings and the officials and priests of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you, Jesus, that you would be here in this place today, Lord God. You would open our hearts, our minds, Lord God, that we receive your word, Lord God. You'd use me as a vessel, Lord Jesus, to give your word today, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we receive it, Lord, and we examine our hearts as we absorb this message, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen. All right, so I want to title this message for what is to come. What is to come? Another scripture I want to go through is Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? When you make it salty again, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Next, verse 2 Timothy 2, 21. You will be a special, contemptible, honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. You may take your seat. So, I think uh, I think a lot of us were this past week. Um, actually, this past month has been filled with some awesome messages. We started the the, the month with a message giving up the idea of normalcy. Embracing pain towards normal. That was the first message of the month, if you if you want to check it out. You know, pain or discomfort are we found are the prerequisites for most, if not all, our growth we will experience in our lives. So you can't have one with the other. If you're gonna grow, there's gotta be that pain that's in, included in or discomfort at least. This is followed by a great message by our brother Junior, which told us of the promise we live in God's grace and how he's always extending his hand regardless of our past. Whether it was five years ago, five minutes ago, but he's always there, reaching out, wanting us to call, come back into his fold. Then we had another powerful message by Pastor Herman, where he challenged us to take on the dream of our bishop and step up to the challenge. Forget our excuses, move ahead in victory. All in that order. So as I was kind of thinking about this, I thought, wow, you know, we're kind of getting these steps, you know. We've had a ton of change coming into 2021. 
And here we have these steps kind of highlighting for us the start of our year, right? It's been so incredible to see that. And again, this just, I don't pastor junior, uh, you know, I don't pastor Furman. It's just kind of things that happen this way. So it's quite awesome to see that. Um, this next Sunday, as you saw, we are participating in Holy Communion. Part of that is consecrating ourselves, examining ourselves of where our state is. That's part of doing that and taking part in that special ceremony. So it's a time to think and consecrate and think of how we're going to start this year. And as I said, God laid out, has laid out those steps perfectly for us. And as we know, if, any, if last year was any indication of what's to come, this year I think might get even more interesting. So as you know, January 20th, our, uh, our president in the White House, who for four years tried to you know, do his part to look after the church's interests, freedoms he was replaced and yes there are those that question the validity of it you know by this by that but the reality is he's dead that's who it's going to be we have a new president one very different than before now that reality combined with the fact that we now have a democratically controlled senate house of representatives that's democratic as well makes you think okay what's going to happen in the next four years what's going to be our what's going to be our what's, what is our society going to look like as it is already divided like never before i know bishop would mention it quite a bit and it quite it surprised me quite a bit when he said it because you think of 60s 70s and 80s and those are some terrible times and he would mention constantly like i've never seen this before never have seen it and it was quite astonishing to hear him say that because again he's we lived through a lot, a lot of turmoil and all that, but this is different. And seeing other speakers talk about that, how there's such a difference in this and how it's like this re di division that's unlike anything else. Now, this is not to scare you, or maybe a little bit, but this is to make you aware that we're definitely going to be facing some challenges. And the state of your spirit, your relationship with God, and the decisions you make, you need to invest in this year and in the kingdom of God greatly determine the direction of your state as the months and years progress. But this does not have to be a scary time. It does not. I want to emphasize that the outcome lies solely within you and the effort you put forward. And I want to read another scripture. This is Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So that's key. Made the Lord their hope and confidence. Not our money, not our jobs, not our status, just Jesus. That is our confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they forever stop producing fruit. So, let me keep that. That's verse 8, 7 and 8. Now, it's important that we understand what this passage is, so this is the prophet Jeremiah. He's talking about this. And I think we've heard the scripture before, some like it. And it, you always think like, oh, yeah, you know, the tree, we want to be the tree by the river. Great. You know, strong tree. Let's be trees, you know. But the context of it was this was a time when the kingdom of Israel was actually divided. So after, this was after King Solomon died, this, his son, Rehoboam, took the throne. And against the advice of his elders, he ruled the, hand, the line with a heavy hand. And as a result... Two tribes pulled out of that and divided 
the nation of Israel. There was two of them. There was a lot of division at this time. So this wasn't a time where Jeremiah was just you know basking in his Logan, his tent. He was this was conflict. And in fact, when you look at this book and you're reading it, it jumps back and forth. And you're reading it and like, well, this happened over here and this happened over here. And, it, and then as you dig further into it, you realize that this book was written in, in a way where it was like, it was, it, it mentions in, in, in uh, chapter 36, one of the kings, King Joachim, actually burned one of the scrolls. And Jeremiah had to go and rewrite it because there was always, you know, talks about how like there was things written all over as he was trying to like almost like scattering trying to get all the information he could and just trying to run with it as he was trying to run or things like that just very very scattered so it's interesting to note because again he's not talking as if he's talking in conflict he's talking with you know with all this division happening in his nation so when we read this verse it's with the knowledge that he's speaking from a place of pain and experience the first verses that we read, actually, they're actually God speaking to him and trying to enforce him. And he's actually, if you read it in chapter, uh, first chapter of Jeremiah, he's saying, I'm too young. I'm too young. I can't do this. And God is encouraging him to say, no, I will back you up in this time. And this wasn't a choice Jeremiah had. It was thrust upon him. So, yeah, it's interesting. If you go back to the book of Chronicle Order, you have to kind of go back chapters and everything. Because it was divided. And it was eventually actually conquered by Babylon later on. Um, so that's, that's something interesting to see in that. So this is an account of someone living in conflict. And in actually Jeremiah 4.19, we read about him weeping for his people. My heart, my heart, I writhe in pain. My heart pounds within me. I cannot be still. For I've heard the blast of enemy trumpets and the roar of a battle cry. So he's talking from experience. He was a warrior. He was devoted to God regardless of the circumstances. And he was prepared for battle. That was his purpose. And that was what he was aiming for. Recently, I've been looking at all these, these um, channels, like the, the History Channel and things on YouTube and all these uh, stories of these vets. And I started looking at them, and it's quite interesting. It's, it usually deals with loss and grief, and you guys can't take a minute from that. But it's amazing to hear these guys talk about you know, the pride they have when they go through these, this, these trainings and everything, and they're just, you know, they talk about the mission, talking initially when they lost maybe a friend or they lost a limb or whatever, but you see in their eyes, like, man, we were ready to go. We were ready. Like, we were ready, like, the mission was greenlit, and their eyes just light up, like, fire. And it just made me think, like, wow, these guys are, like, these guys are pumped. Like, they're just amped and ready to go for it. Could mean death for them, but they're just so trained and ready to go. And as, as you see and you, you see more and more of these stories, you realize these guys are trained. These guys are, they train and train to get ready for these situations. In their minds, they think they're, they're invincible. That's kind of how they go about it. Uh, one particular story I saw, he was a, this guy was a SEAL, and of course he, he was asked who, who were the best, he said SEALs, right? not the Rangers. And then he said, frogmen do it best, that's what he said. And it was just such a pride in them that they were just like, I'm going to get the mission done. doesn't matter what's going to happen in the water, in the desert, in the jungle, whatever. I'm going to get it done. And it was just such an impressive, you know, thing. And just to see more and more of these stories. And I 
that I went to Maidvine was, um, um, it's actually the only captured account on video of a metal alarm that sits and just sounds some chatting. It's quite amazing. It's this kind of drone footage that you see this guy go through these amazing feats. He, he ultimately, he dies, but it, it's just incredible how these things are just captured. But it comes from that place of preparedness, constantly preparing and, and putting their mindset in a state of preparedness. And we will face these things. Now, as a church, we have a mission, a charge. And I want to pose a question to you. If we were be, to be given an assignment, a mission, how confident could we be that we would say, yep, I'm ready. Put me in. I'm ready for this. I've been trained for this. Or is it going to be another response? Something I mentioned last message was that in the coming years, I think there's going to be two or three realities for us Christians. Either it would be a time of substantial growth and joy. And again, I emphasize not happiness, but they're different things. So joy. Or the second is you will spend your time in fear and anxiety, want to ruin everybody or something. Biden or Trump, whatever it's going to be. Or third, you simply not care. And you will move into whatever it's going to be. You'll fade into the void. And that will be your way of coping. I just won't, I just won't feel it. And God's challenging us and saying, you know how to ignore it. Try to live down there. Watch a lot of movies. Play a lot of Xbox. Like, numb myself. Now, if you find yourself feeling the last two, this could be a moment where you decide this year is going to be different. We've already heard the steps throughout this month. The first, coming to terms and throwing out this idea of normal, that yearning to go back to it. God cannot move in that. Our human nature will not allow it. We like normal because we like it. It's low risk. There's a lot more guarantee in it. But a greatest accomplishment are never born out of comfort. The second is ensuring your heart and cannot move in a way that creates resentment, anger, resentment, any of that. In fact, we probably won't even hear his voice. We can't move in that. So we need to give it to God. And again, he is doing an amazing message on that. We'll get on to that. And make things right. Third, we need to take that step. Forget the excuses for it, that we need the stars to align in our personal lives in order for, to be of some use to God. God needs our imperfections and uniqueness so we can break that down and build up the champion that he wants to use for his glory. One of the things I always struggled with when, when my dad would ask me, why are you not preaching? Why are you preaching? I'm like, no, no. Because I just thought in my head, well, I, I need to do that and I need to do that. and I'm here and this is where I need to be in my head. And I came to realize that there's certain things that need to be there, of course. You just need to be willing. That's it. I, I come from a place where if anybody knew me, I'd walk around and not talk to anybody. Because I was fine not talking. That was me. And if you would have told me, well, when you're, you're going to be in front of people and talking, I would have said, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that. So it's never a question of like, well, my, my capacity, my this. It's not. It has nothing to do with that. It is your ability to say, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to jump into it. That's what it is. And having a sincere heart and wanting to do what God wants you to do. And it's unique to you. What I do is unique to Medina. There's a place 
Right, or wherever it's going to be. There's a place for that. So it's that part. But there's these steps. Um, let's see. Oh, um, I want to read Matthew 5, 3. God blesses. Matthew 5, 3. I told you they go too fast. Like that. Don't have it? Okay. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, this is something I wanted to bring up because part of us giving up to God and being, being used by him is realizing that the money and the status that we have goes out the window. That means nothing. And in fact, some of the times where God's used me the most is the moments where I feel I'm at the lowest. Because it is at those times where I realize God's able to reach me and he's able to move in me in the most incredible ways. And it has nothing to do with, and in fact, all the things that are of this world but kind of filled in me at some point are the very things that blocks God and just him trying to speak to me. So it is those moments that you get the most clarity in life. God's able to actually move in you. I want to read a, a quote that my sister Wendy sent to me, and it really res resonated with me, and I forgot the pastor's name, but the context was, uh, it seems like there was like a question about, oh, you know, our kids, what's going to happen to our kids? You know, this world is nuts. You know, it's going crazy. It's going worse and worse and worse. And he went on to say this. He said, stop feeling sorry for your kids and grandkids. Why would we raise a generation of dragon slayers and be so be disappointed to have no dragons for them to fight. That resonated with me because I wondered, you know, are we really doing that? Are we really actually teaching our kids? And this, I think, kind of goes both ways for ourselves and our own mentality and our kids. Are we actually teaching them of that to be prepared for that? Or are we trying to spend too much time in that because all the dragons have been slain, there's nothing to worry about. Life is great, I'm enjoying it. Or are we just saying, you know, let the, you know, the other spiritual people take care of that. The elders, they got it. You know, I'm, I'm still at step one and, you know, hoping to get to step two. That kind of thing. Or another thing, it could be that maybe, maybe you're in a ministry and you think, well, I'm in a ministry. I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing something. But it could be that you're in a ministry, but you're still being called to do something else. That's another very important thing. So that could even be even worse or scarier because you're behind this kind of facade or kind of this safety net of thinking, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm helping. I'm just kind of pushing. Or we could even think, no, the elders, they're going to take care of it. And they'll, they'll be fine. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.21 So we always need to be ready. And the scripture goes, if you keep yourself pure, you will be especially sensitive for honorable use. Your life will be clean. You will be ready for the, for the master to use you for every good work. So we need to continue to look to be being 
refine and sharpen to ensure we are the best tools for the job. A few years ago, I really started getting into like knives and stuff like that. Um, and I was just amazed to learn of, you know, I was just getting old with $30 ones and, and just to learn how there's different types of steels and temperatures and all these little levels of, of, of treatments that are used for the actual tools. And you kind of begin to see like there's certain tools for certain different things. So like if you're going to be a hunter, then you're going to you know, be a certain tool. It's going to be the angle to sharpen. It's going to be so much. If you're a chef, it's going to be a lot thinner. And there are just all these different things that I learned. I had no idea about. But it really stuck with me. And I thought, wow, you know, we, we are constantly dealing with ourselves. We are determining what kind of tools we are with the decisions that we make, with the choices that we make in everyday life. We are making those decisions. And there's different types. It could be that, you know, you can do those specific things for purposes, and that's okay. That's the general purpose. Or maybe the more rough things, but we're constantly moving towards that place. Uh, if the musicians can come up, please. So we often think of those dragons as things to fear. And dragons are used as a metaphor. And we ask God to shield us, to bless us. We want to live the good life for our children. We want to keep them from it. But there are moments in life when God has a greater purpose for our own comfort. If we look at Jeremiah again, I'm sure if he was given a choice, like, hey, would you like to be born at this terrible moment or would you want to wait a couple hundred years? I'm sure he would have picked the other one. He would have said, I want to forget that. I want to go over here. But it wasn't his choice. And we don't always have those choices in life. And again, this year is, is something that I, I wonder, and in some ways I hope maybe it's going to be too much. But I don't know, with the things that are happening, that have been happening rather, it's kind of tough to kind of have more of a, well, it's with God, all things are possible. Everything can be done. The greatest risk to growth is fear. So coming with this new year, we've seen the challenges that we've seen. And I foresee that we'll not have much choice in what we will be challenged with. These dragons are going to get real big and real fast. There might even come a time when it could mean your job, your livelihood, your relationships. And when those moments come, it will cost you too much to bear. If you could please stand. There is so much at stake, and we, can, we cannot treat right now as a phase. And if not for ourselves, for our kids as well. Now, I don't have any kids. But seeing my dad and my mom's example, their commitment, their walk in faith was one of the greatest lessons I could have ever give, been given. But are we preparing for the, the times that are coming? Or are we trying to shield ourselves and hope for the best? And as for us men of God, when God calls us home and asks us to give an account for our families for whom we were given responsibility, he's not going to accept. Well, the church I went to didn't do a good job, or so-and-so got me upset, or, you know, this happened or that happened. He's not going to accept that. We have those responsibilities as men. And as parents, your kids watch you. 
world starts to wonder, do you blame for, for the curse? Mom and dad don't really make it a big deal. So I have to consecrate. And for what? One of the main reasons we doubt and give excuses is because we are too consumed by our own lives and are willing to, not willing to consecrate ourselves. 1 Peter 1.13, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to this world. Keep in mind, this is not, never going to be like what you're going to feel one day. It's never going to be that way. It's your flesh. You're always going to fight that. You want it to be your path just to get by. But I think those days are numbered, if not already numbered. Because those challenges are coming. And some of you may already be dealing with those. I wouldn't be surprised if sometime soon I get an email from each of you basically saying, hey, you've been suspended now. Please come back. Because that's what's going on in our culture. Censorship. This is mob mentality that we're living in. I always marvel at our pastor. I, I could, as a son, I could not find an example of a better man than God. He was so committed, and I always thought it was just like Superman, you know, just, just like what he did. But he was very determined to be like one of us, that it was the choices that he made. It was the tool that he wanted to become. Now, what will your response be when you're attacked? When you're attacked for your beliefs, what is your response going to be when you think you lost your job, potentially? If we remember back in Genesis, God promised Abraham he would make them a great nation. But what did they do? Once they got to Egypt, things were great, great there. There was no need to move. God decided. After that, God did decide, I need to spare you guys. And that's when they became slaves again. But it was because they would not move. And it made a great deal of pain and sorrow, but there's first for them. But he did that because there was so much more. And I think 2020 was the part, or at least the start, of God stirring his church in that time. I want to ask you, don't sit this out. It could be that maybe you know already where you need to go. God's already speaking to you and stirring in you. But please don't think, oh, well, this is something I might do. I need to do this. Now, I don't want to come off as like, oh, this message is just for you. It's not for me. much for me as it is for you. It's for all of us. And as I mentioned, next week will be Holy Communion. We're going to do fasting for that. And I really want you to think about what God's been telling you. Consecrate yourself. Put your flesh to the side and think about where does God want to take me? Am I ready for what is to come? That's the part that I want you to Are we going to be like those people that just fade away? You know, the salt that lost its flavor. We're meant to be those words. Let's not pretend there's no dragons in this. Not worry about the dragons. No, no, no. If you could, please pray with me right now. Let's bow your heads. Let's really examine our hearts. And if you feel God stirring in you, it's likely you may already know what you need to do. You just need to Just like Jeremiah. But remember, we have that promise. Proceed today and we
Cry out to him and ask him, where do you want to be? 